the book of Genesis chapter number four, beginning at verse number three. Amen. You see, I've got three devices here. They've got my laptop, got my phone, got my iPad. I checked my iPad just before coming to the pulpit and it was downloading an update and the fear, not, it wasn't a fear of God, it was just fear got a hold of me and uh, I, I had it on my phone, I sent them after my lap and then when I got it up here, it was done, so praise the Lord, amen. Genesis chapter number four, if you found it, say praise the Lord. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell and the Lord said unto Cain why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen if thou doest well shalt thou not be accepted and if thou doest not well Sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice, everybody say the voice. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. I want to preach for a while tonight on this subject. The voice of worship lives. The voice of worship lives. Look at somebody and tell them the voice of my worship lives. God, I pray that you would anoint me to preach. I ask you, God, to send the anointing of the Holy Ghost into this place. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. Help our lives to react. Speak your word, O oh God, into this place tonight. I need your help, God. You know I need your help. I pray, God, that you would destroy yokes by your anointing in this place, Lord. Let it be done in the name of Jesus. Let there be a demonstration of your spirit and power in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. 
Oh, that's right. Now lift your voice with that hand clap. The Bible said clap your hands, all ye people, and shout with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord in this place tonight. I feel the presence of a living God in this house. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. There's nothing quite like starting a sermon out with a controversial statement, but here goes nothing. I'm convinced that God does not value all sacrifices. I know it does not fit with many of modern religious ideas, but it's still true nonetheless. The modern version of Christianity tells God, you'll take what I give you and you'll be happy with it. Rather than asking God what he wants from us, modern religion tells God, I'll just give you what I feel like giving you. I'll party in the clubs on Friday and Saturday and you can have my Sunday, but the rest of the week is mine. Well, y'all are quiet. I must be in the Holy Ghost. God, I'll smoke and vape and drink and do what I want and you'll just be glad I showed up. Friends, I'm telling you tonight, not all sacrifices are acceptable sacrifices. Our culture has decided that everything needs to be fair and equal, but not all sacrifices are equal. Furthermore, God has not given us the authority to be the arbiter of what he finds acceptable or not. Statements like, I don't think God really cares about that, or I don't feel that that is wrong. I'll tell you, God doesn't need me to think and feel for him nor does he give me the right to think or feel for him. It doesn't really matter what I think. It matters what the word says. And we need to understand that we can become numb to conviction and be ignorant of commandments. So what I feel is not a proper barometer for God's standard. God's ways are higher than mine. And God's word is the final authority in my life. Amen. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, sin brought judgment from God. In Genesis 3, 17 through 19, we find one of God's judgments. The Bible says in verse 17 of Genesis 3, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. Everybody say, Cursed is the ground. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. And in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. As part of repairing the relationship with God, Adam and Eve learned how to value worship. They passed it down to their two sons, Cain and Abel. It is a human tendency to allow convictions to weaken over time. When we first get on fire for God, we're willing to do whatever God asks us to do. But as time goes on, our convictions tend to weaken a little bit. In Genesis 4 and 3, the Bible said, and in the process of time, 
It came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Let me read it again. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Can I get the folks in the back to put Genesis 3.17 back up the previous verse? Look at that last phrase. Cursed is the ground. Everybody say it with me. Cursed is the ground. Now let's look at Genesis 4 and 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Even though Cain knew the ground was cursed, he offered the fruit of the cursed ground anyway. Cain's attitude towards worship was that God should just take whatever I give him. Cain made the mistake of offering God what Cain wanted to offer, not what God wanted to receive. Cain, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Cain was the first charismatic that said, I'll just do what I want and live how I want, and God, you'll just go ahead and be happy with it anyway. Abel's attitude, however, was totally different. Abel meticulously and painstakingly raised a lamb to sacrifice to God. To Abel, feeding the lamb was not a chore. It was an act of worship. So every day he fed the lamb because that lamb is my offering to God. And Abel stopped his chores and his entertainment and pleasure to take the lamb some water Because it was not a bother to take water to the lamb. It's an act of worship. And even though it costs me time and effort, it's my worship. And so I'll do whatever I got to do to prepare myself to worship God. When Abel saw a predator approaching the lamb, he didn't shy away from the fight. Because he viewed his worship as something worth fighting for. Cain brought the cursed fruit of the ground, but Abel's attitude towards worship was I'll give God my very best and I'll prepare. I'll come ready to worship. I'm not just going to pick up a pumpkin and a squash and a zucchini on the way to the altar and throw it down and say, God, take that. No, I'm preparing myself all week long. My worship. My worship that I give God is an expression of my love and devotion to Him. To Abel, worship wasn't an afterthought. Worship was not on His terms. It was on God's terms. To Abel, worship was an investment, not an obligation. making me feel good up here. Thank you for helping me preach. Let me say that last line again. To Abel, worship was an investment, not an obligation. The time to tend the lamb was not done with the feeling of obligation. I have to do this because God's making me do it. I got to feed the lamb because God's making me sacrifice. I got to give the lamb water because God's making, no, no, I get to feed the lamb. I get to water the lamb because I get to worship God. 
not an obligation. It's an investment. Verse 4 of Genesis 4. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Two quick points on Abel's worship. Number one, he brought the firstlings. Not just any old animal, but the first of his flock. Abel prioritized worship. It was first for him. In an agrarian agricultural society, the birth of livestock was a reason to rejoice. It meant when that, when that lamb or that calf or that kid or that colt was born, it was a cause for joy because that meant that they would get to eat when an when a, when a ox was born. It was like giving birth to a John Deere tractor and all the ladies said, praise the Lord. When an ox was born, or a donkey was born, a donkey being born is like getting a, like 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 waking up in the morning and getting a, a brand new car in the driveway. Because that donkey, it's a baby now, but by this time next year when we got to go to town, that's my Cadillac taking me over there. When a lamb is born, it's not just another animal, but that lamb is a meal for my family down the road. That lamb, that, that calf being born is more than just a dumb animal being born in my field. But that calf is milk for my babies. It's butter for my table. It's cheese for my meal. That calf, when they had an ant, it was more than just, it was more than just a puppy being born or a cat being born. And they never knew when there might be another one. You might have a lamb today, but a wolf could eat that mama tomorrow, and you might never get another lamb. So when you give the firstling of your flock, you're giving it by faith that somehow down the road, God is going to bless you again. And you give it without a promise of another one. And you give it without a promise that tomorrow you'll get enough. You give When you give the firstlings of your flock, what you're giving is your faith that God, if I give it today, you'll take care of me tomorrow. I don't know how, but you'll make a way. I don't see it yet, but I know you're provided when you give the firstling. It's an act of faith. And so when you give God your very best, what you're saying is, God, I trust you not just tonight, but tomorrow and next week and next year. I praise you today because I know that you'll make a way for me. In an era where there's no veterinarian, there's never a guarantee that your livestock will produce another offspring. And so the firstling might be the only one. But Abel says, I'll bring you not just my firstling, but throw that verse back up there. He said, my, he brought also the firstlings. Not just one firstling. But I brought the firstling of everything from my herd. I brought the firstling of the goats. And I brought the firstling of the cows. And I brought the firstling of the lambs. 
I brought the firstlings of everything that I have because worship is not just a one-time proposition for Abel. He told God, everything I have, the first of everything I have belongs to you, God. That's why I don't wait till the end of the week to decide if I'm going to tithe. I do it at the beginning because I trust God that if I give him the first of everything I've got, that all the rest of it will be. Oh, you know, Go ahead and say amen. You know I'm preaching the truth to you. It's an attitude towards worship that God, I'll not go cheap. I'll give you the best that I got. I'll give you the first of everything. I'm not pitching spiritual pennies with you, God. When I come to worship, I come to worship. It's an attitude that Abel has towards God that says, God, I'm bringing you my first and I'm bringing you my best. You're not getting what's left over after baseball and after volleyball and after fishing and after hunting and after golf and after shopping. I'm giving you the first of everything. If I can't shout in church, I don't I can't shout playing basketball. If I'm too tired to worship, I'm too tired to play soccer. but it's still true if I can't get up to pray then I can't get up to go fishing either it's the firstlings of my thought that I give to you it's an attitude in worship worship is an expression of love and devotion it's adoration worship is an expression of the value that we place on our relationship with God Abel didn't expect God to just read his mind and heart and know. Abel expressed his heart and mind by the offering that he brought God. The Bible said that God had respect not just to Abel's offering, but he had respect to Abel because of his offering. But look at verse 5. Verse 4 and 5. But, God, but unto Cain, and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. If God doesn't respect the worship, then he doesn't respect the worshiper either. When Cain realized that his worship wasn't satisfactory, he got angry. Verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Cain, why are you mad? I didn't cheat you. You cheated me. You're the one that offered something that was cursed. You're the one that didn't invest in your worship. While Cain was, was, was taking grain and feeding the lamb, you were out there messing around. While Cain was bringing water from the creek and giving it to the lamb, you were out there goofing off. Cain, don't be mad at me because you didn't invest in your worship. I didn't cheat you. You cheated me. Why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? And then in verse 7, he says, if you do well, then will thou not be accepted? Cain, all you got to do is go get a proper sacrifice and bring it back. All you got to do is worship the way that I want you to worship. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking you to do something unreasonable. I'm not asking you to do something strange. All I'm saying is just do right and everything's okay. 
It's simple. Just worship the way I tell you to worship. And everything will be okay. Why are you mad, Cain? There are people that get frustrated when we push worship. They get aggravated. Can we just move on and get out earlier and go home? Let's not drag it out. Cain, why are you mad? Just go get a proper sacrifice and everything will be okay. How dare that preacher tell me how to worship? How dare him preach that the way I live isn't a proper sacrifice? What right does he have? Look, just Cain, just go get a good sacrifice and bring it back. Don't get mad at the preacher and get mad at the church and get mad at God. Just give God what God wants. Just worship him the way he wants to be worshipped. Well, God, you'll take what I give you. Well, no, he doesn't have to take what you give him if it's not a proper sacrifice. That's why we preach to worship God in the beauty of holiness. Are you mad, Cain? Just do right. Verse number 8, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. The word talk there means to say one's heart. It also means to challenge. So Cain is bearing his heart and challenging Abel. Cain, instead of getting a right sacrifice, He got mad at the person that gave the right sacrifice. Why, Abel, did you have to worship the way that you did? Your worship made me look bad. Why couldn't you have just given the fruit of the ground like I did, Abel? Because you didn't hold back and give cheap worship. You made my sacrifice look bad. Can I tell you that people who don't value worship will almost always resent people who do. Amen. I'll say it again. People who don't value praise will always resent a worshiper. Settle down. Simmer down. Quiet down. Relax. Why you got to be so tied up all the time? Why you got to be so... Why? Just settle. Look, people who don't value worship will always have a problem with the worshiper. That's why you can't worship based on what other people do, say, act, or think. It's not about them. It's not about you, Cain. My worship isn't about you, Cain. You don't have to like the way I worship, Cain. You don't have to approve of the way I worship because my worship is not for you. My worship is for, let me tell you, we're not worshiping for the Baptists. They can worship how they want. We're not worshiping for the Catholic or the Methodist or the Charismatic. They can worship however they want. That's their business. But my worship is not about them. My worship is about Him. So I'm not going to be embarrassed of how I worship God. I'm not going to be... Can I press the issue? My worship also is not about a dead Pentecostal that forgot what it was like to be set on fire by the Holy Ghost. It's not about the critic and it's not about the complainer. My worship is about Him. rose up and slew Abel and the Lord said to Cain where's Abel thy brother he said I don't know 
Cain, you're lying. You know exactly where he is. He's right where you put him. Listen, don't let a non-worshipper put you in your place. Somebody complains about your shout, you tell them like David told his wife, I'm not shouting for you. You think that was something. You just wait till the next worship service. You think I got tied up? You think I got crazy? You think I got wound up last Sunday? But if you laughed at me then, you better get ready to laugh again because I'm not about to quit. I'm not about to slow down. Hey, Bethlehem's not about to go on a dead streak or a quiet streak. You think we shouted? We about to shout some more. Don't let Cain put you in your place. Somebody say, mm. Somebody say, preach to me. Am I my brother's keeper? He lied to God and said, I don't know where he is. But the truth is, Cain, you're the very reason he is where he is. Let me tell you, I don't want to ever make fun or put down somebody's worship because if they backslide and die, it'll be on my hands because I helped kill their praise. I don't want to kill somebody's worship. We don't need somebody telling a new convert to settle down. Life will settle them down. You just get them to worship and let God do the rest. I feel a praise coming on in this place tonight. I feel something starting to bubble up in this house. Oh, somebody ought to lift their voice and praise the King of Kings because he's worthy. And then, and then God made an astounding statement. He said, what hast thou done? Listen to this. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Abel is dead. His heart has stopped beating. His lungs no longer breathe. His brain waves are dead. The blood is coagulated in his veins and arteries. Rigor mortis has seized his muscles. Abel is dead. Abel's arms will never embrace his mother Eve again. Adam will never hear the sound of Abel's voice again because Abel is dead. But God said the voice of the worshiper is still calling my name. The worshiper is dead. The man who offered the firstling of the flock and his heartfelt praise no longer lives, but I still hear the voice of the worshiper's blood crying unto me from the ground because the voice of worship lives on. Hallelujah. I said the voice of worship lives on. Long after you're in the ground, your praise will still be talking to God. Long after you draw your last breath, your worship will still be calling out to Him. I hear the voice of the worshiper. Cain, I know you killed him. I know you shed his blood, but I still hear the voice of the worshiper. Can I tell you that when the world wants to silence you, your worship lives on. 
when the world wants to quiet down the church, our worship lives on. Look at somebody and tell them the voice of the worshiper still lives. The Bible's a story of heroes and champions. My earliest memories center around church and the stories I learned about the larger-than-life characters in Sunday school. My mind pictures Jacob wrestling with an angel. I can almost see Samson as he wields the donkey's jawbone with heaps of Philistines on the right and the left through the pages of this leather-bound book. We think of the champions of faith that have influenced whole societies since the earliest times. Abraham, Isaac, Moses, Joshua. They overcome enemies, subdue kingdoms, come through trials, leading God's people to promises. Deborah and Gideon and Samuel show the majesty of the power and deliverance of God. Elisha, Elijah, David, the kings, the prophets of the Lord walking in the power of God to show us how amazing the Lord is as the Old Testament gives way to the New Testament. The names change, but the feats of faith still go on. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Silas, Barnabas, Philip, on and on it goes, each of them revealing the glorious, delivering, mighty power of our saving God. Time doesn't permit me to talk about Noah and Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Hannah and Timothy and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and on and on and on. The scriptures from Genesis to Revelation are filled with the champions of God, winners, heroes, conquerors who overcame enemies and subdued kingdoms because when God puts his blessing on somebody, the devil might as well back up. Because when God decides to use somebody, he doesn't need the devil's permission. Hallelujah. When God gets ready to pour out revival, Rome doesn't have to approve. The Philistines don't have to like it. Egypt doesn't have to like it. When God says it's time, it's my time. I know he's the champion of the giant killer. But why would the giant killer's God be interested in me? I've never killed a lion, a bear, or a giant. I've never constructed an ark. I've never parted a sea. I've never brought down walls like Joshua or killed Philistines like Samson. I've never walked out of prison like Simon Peter or seen victories like Paul. What could a God that gives them do for something like me. I got issues, problems, trials, tests, tribulations, sicknesses, frustrations, disappointments. I don't always feel like I can do all things through Christ. Sometimes I feel like I can't do anything right at all. I feel like a failure more than I feel like a champion. Am I preaching anybody's story right now? I feel like a loser more than I feel victorious. I feel frustrated more than I feel faith. I feel weak more than I feel strong. The God of Abraham. Why would the God of Abraham care about me and give me a second thought? Why would the God of David be interested in my daily struggles? I'll tell you why. I can't climb. I can't, I can't bring down walls like Joshua. I can't walk on water like Peter. 
I can't walk out of prisons like Paul and Barnabas. I can't overcome lions like Daniel. I can't beat Philistines like Samson. But there's one thing I can do just like they did. I can worship. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody. I can't do what Elijah, Elisha, Deborah, and Samuel, Paul, Peter, James, or John did. But there's something I can do just like they did. I can worship God. I can clap my hands and wave my hands and lift my voice and praise God. I'm almost done here. Can I tell you tonight? There's nothing the devil hates more than a worshiper. Listen to this. Six trillion, six hundred and seventy-four billion cigarettes sold annually worldwide. Six trillion, six hundred and seventy-four billion. Americans spend over ninety billion dollars a year on alcohol. The music industry made $15 billion in 2015. That's $3,075.64 every second spent on pornography in the world. The devil has the world eating out of his hand day and night. The demonic spirits of hell have infiltrated society from pillar to post. There is no corner of the world where sin is not prevalent. Yet it bothers the devil. With all of that going on outside these walls, it bothers the devil that you're here worshiping God tonight. He doesn't mind that in arenas all across the world, hundreds and thousands of people are screaming, yelling, and jumping for sports teams competing. It doesn't bother the devil that beer companies are getting rich selling beer to those same rabid fans, but it bothers the devil that you have conviction to come to the house of God and lift your hands and lift your voice and praise God. It bothers the devil. If you were using your voice to curse, he wouldn't care. If you were using your voice to glorify the world, he wouldn't care. But because you're willing to say hallelujah, it bothers the devil. It bothers the devil that you're willing to take these hands that he wants you to use for sin. And instead of using them for sin, you put them together and clap your hands and lift your hands to heaven. It bothers the devil. He hates worshipers. He fights worshipers. He's always had a problem with worshipers. David was a worshiper. Oh, the voice of my worship lives on. The devil tried to stop David with the lion, and it didn't work. So he tried to stop him with the bear, and it didn't work. And so he tried to stop him with the giant, and it didn't work. And then he tried to stop him with an army of Philistines, and it didn't work. And then he tried to stop him with King Saul, and it didn't work. And everything the devil tried couldn't get David to quit praising God. And I'm going to tell you that the devil will send thing after thing after thing in your life. But if you'll be committed to worship, if you'll be committed to praising God, the voice of the worshiper will live on. 
God will make a way. I said, God will make a way for a worshiper. A worshiper will always win. David learned a lesson about worship. He said, you don't wait until after the battle to worship God. You send your praise before you into the battle. Psalms 18 and 3. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. That's how I was saved from my enemies. No, that's not what it says. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. That's how I got delivered already. No, no, no. He said, I'll call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I'm sending my praise ahead. I'm sending the voice of my praise in front of me. I'm sending my praise in the battle before my feet ever get there. I'm sending my praise in the battle before my hands ever get there. I don't know what your tomorrow holds, but you ought to send some praise into your tomorrow. So shall I be saved. My praise is an investment in my future. My praise is not an obligation. It's an investment. My worship is not an obligation. It's an investment in my tomorrow. Oh, somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody ought to praise him. If you need a healing, you ought to invest in your healing. If you need deliverance, you ought to invest in your deliverance. If you need joy, you ought to invest in your joy. If you need healing, deliverance, anxiety. If you need deliverance from depression and anxiety, you ought to just send a praise out. So shall I be saved? Because my worship is not dictated by my situation. My worship dictates my situation. What's that I hear? What's that I hear? I think it's the voice of worship that the devil tried to silence, that the devil tried to stop. If the devil could have killed your praise behind bars, he'd have done it, but here you are. God is a God of deliverance. God is a God of victory. The voice of the worshiper lives on. The voice of the praiser lives on. Hey, I feel something about to break loose. It's an attitude and a mindset towards worship. Somebody ought to feed the lamb a little bit. I can almost see Abel. I can almost see Abel, brother Stan, as he rolls out of bed early in the morning with a handful of grain, taking it to the little lamb because he knows that lamb is my worship. And I can either make it an obligation 
or I can make it an investment. And so he carries that handful of grain and he holds the lamb while the lamb eats the grain. And then he gets the water and he puts a little bit of water in his hand and he's investing because he understands this lamb is not just an obligation that I have to do, but I'm getting ready to take this lamb to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And long after my life is over, something about my worship will live on. And so I'm investing. I'm investing in my worship right now. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm investing in the next phase of revival for this church. I'm investing because I know that if we'll worship, God will move. said that there was dead worship at Bethlehem. Never let it be said that I didn't push myself to an altar. Never let it be said that I brought God what I wanted instead of what He wants. But I came to lift my hands and I came to lift my voice and I came to pick up my feet and I came to worship and magnify because it's my investment in my relationship. Somebody. 
It's not going to come to you. You've got to go after it. There's a breakthrough for somebody, but you've got to reach for it. you got to worship your way. you got to invest in it tonight. It's the voice of my worship. It lives on, and it lives on, and it lives on, and it lives on. Devil, you can't have my breakthrough. You can't have my worship. You can't have my family. You can't have my joy. The voice of my praise lives on. Somebody ought to just go ahead. You ought to go ahead and just do it. You ought to quit waiting around. You ought to just do it right now. You ought to let a praise come up out of you that shakes hell and the devil and lets him know the voice of my praise is still alive. Thought he had. He thought I was. 
over your years living for God had some moments where you weren't sure that you were going to make it? How many of you had some moments where you just weren't sure if you could get through that maybe the struggle was just going to get you and you weren't positive? But look, here you are, 2023, over every mountain, through every valley, over every river, every trial, everything the devil threw at you. It hadn't been perfect. Everything hadn't been perfect, but you're still here. Your worship still lives. Your worship is is still alive. Everybody in this place, you may not want to shout like some of them, but everybody in this place ought to at least say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for bringing me out. Thank you, God, because the voice of my worship is still here. Three. 
show up. Brother Kevin Leslie said he's getting in the dunk tank. 25 first time guests we getting, Brother Kevin, in the dunk tank. You'll be there. There's one. There's one. If we get 50, we're going to get Brother Ethan in there. Alright? That could. That's good. Alright. Look here. Meet and greet right now. Do not forget Sunday. I mean Tuesday. Go get some flyers. Pass them out. Let's fill this place up. and teachers will be in the dunk touch as well. So, God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed. Also, real quick, let me get your attention real quick. Listen, this week we are starting a brand new thing at Waldoxy. It's going to be praise in the park. You don't want to miss it. That'll be Saturday at what time? 6.30 Saturday. It'll be at Waldoxy State.